Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ken. I am one of the elders at Hope, and I am super excited to be with you here today. Uh, I know during this time, during the holidays or during the summer, we like to give our vocational pastors a break from preaching. While they're still here, everybody say hi to Brian, right? He's right over there. Hi, Brian, right? Um, we just want to give them a break, so they let some of the elders come and, and preach, so we're super excited. I'm extremely excited to be here because one of the things that I am thrilled about is preaching the word of God. When they were like, hey, who wants to preach? I'm like, I'm down, right? And then I remembered that during this time, I'm having a se- I was going to have a second baby, and I did have a second baby. And I was like, I should probably ask my wife before I commit to something. But luckily, she was down with it uh, for me to come and preach. Uh, and, but before we jump into the message today, I wanted you to know a little bit about who I am. Uh, because some of you have never seen me before. Uh, and just want to let you know, who is Ken? Where did he come from? What did he do? What is he all about? And why hope? Uh, I was actually originally from New York City. Hello. That's not New York City. <laughs> uh, I was originally born and raised in New York City, 19 years of my life. All right, It was kind of more in the ghetto in Queens, New York. Lived a pretty rough life. And the Lord at the age of 19 started to stir my heart. I was growing up in a Christian church, but I did not follow the Lord, and he started to stir my heart up. I went to a youth conference uh, there in New York where all of a sudden they started to ask people if they would be willing to leave everything they have behind and go to a discipleship training school down in Texas. And I was like, there's no way anyone would ever do that in God's green earth. Why would you leave New York City to go to Texas? Who lives in Texas? <laughs> like that, that was kind of my mindset a little bit. No one ever leaves New York. But as, as the conference was going on, all of a sudden the Lord did lead me. I just got stirred. I was like, I need to do something radically different than what I'm doing if I want to really follow Jesus Christ. And he did. He brought me to the great nation of Texas, right? And you may be laughing at this right here, but this was my next door neighbor, Wherever I went, I went to East Texas, the middle of nowhere, Texas, where this is literally what I saw when I walked around our campus. I went from New York City to this. All right. Thankfully, the Lord, through his, uh, his gracious spirit, refined me when I was in Texas. I ended up staying there for seven years, uh, living there, growing, becoming, uh, going into leadership at that program, and uh, really, God... Uh, just kind of redefined and, and emboldened my heart for the ministry. And during my time in Texas, he was like, Ken, I have called you to ministry. I've called you to preach the word of God, and I want you to do it here in Texas for a time. So I said, yes, Lord, I will do it here in Texas. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, as I was doing it, there's something that the discipleship training school was trying to teach me, and the thing that I was trying to teach me is like, how do I best use my gifts, my personality, and who I am to represent Jesus Christ? And throughout the time, I've been trying to figure out, like, when, when I talk to people about who I am, I'm like, oh, well, I have a type A personality, but I also like to joke around. I also am um, very driven, but I also like to be laid back. I was trying to figure out, like, how in one picture could I best represent Ken? And I think this is it, right? I love to joke around. I love to clown around. If you ever see me 80% of the time, uh, honestly, I will be joking around. If, if you just hang out with me for any good portion of the time, that's what I'm, what I'm about. And the reason is, is that I think there's just a lot of joy in Jesus Christ. I really do believe there's a lot of joy in Jesus Christ. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, because of my boyish puppet looks that you see in front of you today, uh, I was able to get married 
okay? And I've been happily married for seven, uh, over seven years now to my beautiful wife named Bethany. Uh, and that we met in Texas, and as we met in Texas, we moved from Texas to Minnesota. While we were in Texas, the Lord, again, was just kind of doing something different in our hearts. And, she, and he was like, hey, I want you to change scenery. I'm like, yes, Lord, where do you want me to go? And he's like, go from Texas to Minnesota. And I'm like, who lives in Minnesota? And I'm like, why? And I remember telling my friends about this. I remember I'm like, hey, I think I'm leaving Texas to go to Minnesota. And they're like, who leaves the great nation of Texas? And I just remember thinking this whole process of just like, well, I think the Lord has called us to, to move to Minnesota. And he, he had both my wife and I work at Bethany Global University. It's a, it's a university that specializes in training missionaries to take the church to where it's not. It's aspiring missionaries, and, and that's what we do. Uh, both my wife and I are deans there, and we've been doing that for the last five years. And it's been awesome working here at Bethany Global University. Uh, but during this time, also living in Minnesota, my wife and I have had two kids. The first one, her name is Grace. She is my joy. She, I, I love her so much. I love waking up. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm the one who gets to grab her, and I'm the one who gets to change her. I'm the one who gets to feed her. And we get just a, this one hour of joyful, yelling bliss. It's awesome. Right, but she's she's so much fun to play with. In this picture, I'm I'm not sure if she's excited because she's on my back or it's because she's on top of her favorite blanket. I'm still trying to determine that. I'm gonna go with she's on my back, right? And then on November 28th, if you're doing the math, that is a month and two days ago. Uh, I had my son Alex. Okay, this is my son Alexander James, and he came into our world, disrupted our world in such a beautiful way. It's been so exciting. It's been a massive whirlwind in our house. Uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you do have kids? One guy, okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, when you have kids, it, it, it is the most beautiful thing. It's like the high highs and the low lows, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting, but it's also so exhausting, right? And what I loved about having this time with, with my family, especially this month being on paternity leave and then vacation and stuff like that, is that I started to wonder in my life, what does it look like to all of a sudden live in such a way that me, I, the leader of my house, would bring up people, right, these young ones, into gospel community? Because at the end of the day, I don't know if you, like when you have kids, the one thing you want for them is that they would love Jesus. Like I look at my daughter, I look at my son, and I'm like, I just pray to God. I'm like, God, whatever you do, that they would fall in love with you. That they would fall in love with you, that they would be saved, and I don't care what they do, that they would fall in love with you. And everything I'm focused on right now is that. And this is kind of what all of a sudden this year stirs up in us, right? We are in this week, right, of New Year's resolutions. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have uh, thought about your New Year's resolutions this week? Three people, the other ones are like, is New Year's is coming up? What's going on? Like, uh, uh, But typically what ends up happening during this year is that we have people who start thinking about New Year's resolutions. And I started thinking about New Year's resolutions. I started thinking about how am I going to lead my family this year? What am I going to do to make sure that I lead my family in a, in a gospel-driven way? And I started to wonder, like, what, what do people do, right? What do people do for New Year's resolutions? And I, I think uh, John Christ, if any of you guys follow him, he's a, he's a comedian, comedian, says it best uh, when it comes to what this week is in preparation 
for next year. Right? He says this, December 26th to the 31st, a week full of behavior that you are like, okay, fine, but I'm stopping this come 2019. Right? And we've all done this, right? We're like, okay, this is my week. I did it, right? I've been eating cereal, and I never eat cereal, but I've been eating cereal all week long. It's been awesome. But I promise you, I'm going to stop as soon as the bag is gone, right? Um, my wife, the other night, she's like, I'm going to eat your cereal. I'm like, don't you dare eat my cereal. This is the only thing I got going right now. It's not, but it was just the only thing at 2 a.m. in the morning, okay? Here's the deal, right? I started to think about, like, I'm, I'm curious. I was like, what kind of New Year's resolutions do people come up with, right? Like, what kind of New Year's resolutions do we come up with, right? And I decided to just kind of do what everybody does when a random question comes up into your mind. You Google it, right? <laughs> you Google it. Uh, so one of the things that tends to come up to people is this concept of just like, you know what? I want to work on my appearance, right? I, and, and I thought this New Year's resolution was great. Uh, this person says, I don't know if you can read that right there, right? It says, I mean, I'm already cool, but I want to be cooler, right? That's someone's New Year's resolution. Or the second one, uh, this is more for, for those who might be passive-aggressive, also known as Minnesota nice. Um, I am from New York, so I apologize for my snarky comments. Uh, it's this. My New Year's resolution is to be more assertive, if that's okay with you guys. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Uh, the other one that I think is... Uh, more in tune with what a lot of end people end up doing. I know for sure that my, my, my wife and I are, are thinking through this right now, especially as she had a kid and all that, is that we want to be healthy, right? We want to exercise. I don't know why is it that during New Year's resolutions, we always think January 1st is the time to start, right? But we always were, like, or the resolution is that we want to exercise more. But I like the caveat that this individual puts for, for their exercise. New Year's resolution, exercise my right to eat more Tacos. That's a good New Year's resolution right there, right? Uh, but this is what we do. Most of the time when people have New Year's resolutions, we end up having New Year's resolutions this way. We think about ourselves a lot. What am I going to do? And I started to wonder, like, how many times do we have a New Year's resolution that focuses on others? Like, if you stopped and just said, you know what, my New Year's resolution for next year is going to be that I'm going to try to bless my small group as much as possible for the rest of the year. I, can, can I be honest for, with you guys for a quick second? I don't think I've ever made a New Year's resolution or any, like, like that, that I'm going to focus on other people. It typically is like, what am I going to do to better myself? So I started to wonder, right, what would it look like if we focused on others? And that's what today's uh, sermon is about. And we've been going through this series about experiencing the season of Christmas. And today we're going to talk about experiencing the season of Christmas by focusing on others. And as if you guys know, we have been walking through the, the movie Elf. And just out of curiosity, how many of you took this winter season to watch the movie Elf? Oh, you still got time. The year's not over. <laughs> All right. But if uh, you've been following the movie, uh, if you watch the movie Elf at any given period of time, one of the things that you will notice is that Elf really likes to focus on others. He really likes to consider other people or other things. Whatever it is, he's just always like others-minded. I wanted to give just an example of what that looked like. Let's check out this video real quick. Solid. 
What's your name? My name's Buddy. Does someone need a hug? I just wanted a hug. Oh, good old buddy. All right, this is what we're going to look at. We are going to look at how do we focus on others? How do we be like Buddy, where he just sees someone randomly in need, and he's like, hey, do you need a hug? Do you need something? Do you want to serve someone? Do you want to help someone? Do you want to love someone? Now, how do we do that, right? Uh, just do a quick recap. Last, uh, the first time we had, it was experience, uh, the first series, or the first part of the series was that experiencing the season of Christmas amidst everyday life. That was kind of the, the first part of the series. Like, how do we do Christmas? How do we see Christ in the midst of everything? Uh, the second series was uh, experiencing the season of Christmas by breaking from everyday life. Uh, Brian preached this sermon. I actually think he did a really great sermon. It is, like, can I just be honest with you guys? It was seriously one of my, my favorite uh, Christmas sermons. It's got to be, like, in my top 100, even probably top 90, right? Like, it was just that good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You made it on the top 100. Uh, no, all jokes aside, I really did enjoy it. It was like probably one of the top five or ten. Like I was like, this was really good. I was like painting during the time, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I just I like paused it to like watch the video because uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so that was the second one. And then uh, Trike last week was talking about just pondering Jesus Christ, that we would love him, the I love you part scene uh, of Buddy the Elf. But as we are in today, we are looking at focusing on others. And I started to ponder this whole, like the past month when they asked us to come and preach about focusing on others, it was really exciting, but at the same time, it was hard. Because I'm like, oh, great, I'm gonna come preach to people who probably like, oh yeah, we gotta focus on others. That's, that's, that's the Christian thing to do. And I started to wonder, how hard is it to really focus on others? I started to realize there's actually a huge problem that we have when it comes to focusing on others. And I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this, but I've, I come up with four way, reasons of why it's really hard. There's a problem of why it's hard to focus on others, right? Here's the, the first one. The problem with focusing on others is that people are messy. I don't know if you've ever thought, thought about this. People are rough to be around with sometimes. Right? Thank you. There's one person right here, right? You're like, oh my gosh. Really? Like this person wants to come talk to you? I don't know if this has ever happened to you in a small group. You're just like, you know what? I know I should probably ask this person a question, but if I do, it's going to open Pandora's box. So, uh, see you guys. I'm going, right? Like, and you just leave, right? No one's ever done that besides me? Okay, forgive me, all right? People are messy, though. I've been in ministry, and there have been times where people have come to me for counseling, different things, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do this anymore. Like this person wants to talk for three hours. It's two o'clock in the morning. I can't do it anymore, right? And it's hard. It's rough, right? But people are messy. So because people are messy, what, what do we tend to do? We tend to draw away. We tend to have small talk conversations but never really go deep with people. Right? You're like, I, I don't want to go too deep because if I go too deep, we're going to have to deal with something. I'm going to have to get in the mix of this, and I'm going to actually have to focus on this person and give attention to this person. And quite frankly, some of us may not have time for that. You're like, dude, I, that's the last thing I want to do is focus on people. Do you know what's going on in my life right now? People should be focusing on me. 
So that's one of the problems when it comes to uh, focusing on others. The other problem I have found when it comes to focusing on others is that we tend to be self-seeking. What I mean by self-seeking is that a lot of times we walk around life just focused on our interests. What am I excited about? What am I interested about? What does my week or weekend look like? If I were to like just real quickly uh, look at your calendar and I look at your calendar the whole week, would I be able to look at your calendar and say, wow, this person's really focused on other people or does this calendar just resemble what you do for yourself and your excitement and your pleasure? Because guess what? Like I, I had to look at mine and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of self-seeking. I know when I'm sitting down with my wife and we're trying to make plans of what to do, there are times that I'm like trying to insert like my will. I'm trying to be like, hey, what if we did this? Because at the end of the day, that's what I want to do. I don't say, I'm like, hey, babe, what do you want to do? There's certain things that I want to do. I want to go to the gym at a certain time, even though she may want to go to the gym at a certain time. Some of us may do that with, with uh, our friends too, right? Uh, my favorite one is when we decide to all, like if you're ever hanging out with friends, you decide to like, hey, what are we going out to do? Or what are we going to do to go out to eat, right? That's like one of my favorite observational moments when like a group of friends are hanging out with one another and they're trying to figure out what meal to, to go do. First of all, it's like a miracle that they decide anything. But normally, by the time they decide, the reason why they decide is because one person, right, decides, you know what, forget it. I'm done with all this argument, argument for an hour and a half of whether Chinese, pizza, Indian, curry, whatever it is. You're like, we're just going to do this. Why? Lots of times it's just... They want to do their interest, okay? Uh, the third one, uh, where people are, tend to be uh, not focused on others. You're kind of like the godfather. Some of you are like, no, I'm not killing anybody. I'm not whacking anyone. Here's what I mean. Have you ever seen The Godfather? Have you ever looked at any Italian uh, movies or mafia movies? What, what tends to happen is that they will do you a favor, but they're expecting something back. They want something. They're never just going to do a favor just to do it. This person, the, ones that, the reason why it's focusing on others is because they're only going to give to get. And at the end of the day, if you're giving to get, you're not focused on others. You're focused on yourself. Right? So these are the types of people that, that, that we have. Right? So, so, so far we got the, um, the people are messy problem. The second one is that they're self-seeking. Other one, we could be the godfather. And then the last one is this. Uh, the problems with uh, focusing on others is that there's this me monster. All right? And what do you, you're like, what do I mean by me monster? Ultimately, what I mean by me monster is that it's pride. It's pride in our lives, but the me monster tends to manifest itself in three ways. Okay? Here's the way it manifests. The first one, everything's about me. You're guided by what you want, your desires, your, whatever you like. You're just all about you. You start to look at the world in your lens. We would never say this. I know I would never say this, but I would never say that the world revolves around me, but sometimes we act like it, right? I know, I know one, one way this, this happens with me is this. Whenever I find out that my friends are going to go do something, I'm kind of like, why, why didn't they invite me? What, was I not cool enough? Was I not good enough? You make it about me. When you hear some of your friends talking on the other side of the room, are you wondering, like, hey, are they talking about me? You make everything about you. 
I know, I know that I can fall into the, to this category just as much as anybody else. Uh, the second one is this Midwestern mindset. I have had the privilege of traveling uh, across, the, uh, across the world, but also in the United States, New York City, Texas. has kind of been through a lot of different states as well, uh, just traveling. But one thing I've noticed about the Midwestern mindset is this. Midwestern people do not like to show weakness. They do not like to show weakness. They're going to say everything is okay, everything is fine, there's no problem, and you won't ask for any help. I've had friends who are moving, and I'm like, hey, like, are, I, I hear you're moving. Do you need any help? They're like, no, I got it. I'm like, who's helping you? Uh, just me and my 80-year-old dad. I'm like, <laughs> I'm free. I can help you. I know how to lift a box. They're like, no, no, I got it. I'm like, dude. <laughs> Seriously, I can help you. Like, no, 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 I got it. I'm like, I'm not going to ask you seven times, all right? I'm not Jesus. I'm walking away, right? Like, I'm, I'm done. But it's this mindset, like, everything's okay. I got it. And if we were to show weakness, it looks like we don't, we don't have anything together. It's this cool, reserved, everything's chill, got no problems, don't want to show any emotions. It's the Midwestern mindset. Why? Because at the end of the day, what's going on for, with this veneer that we tend to put on is that we don't want people to know what's really going on inside of us, that we might not actually be okay, that we actually might have problems. And this is a, a massive thing that, that I start to see in the, in, with this Midwestern mindset. And then finally, the last one with the, the um, me monster is this, that uh, the way that it manifests is that there's low self-esteem. Here's what I mean by low self-esteem, is that there are some people in this room that all they do is compare themselves. All you do is compare yourself. When you're on social media, the constant thing that you're doing is comparing yourself with someone else. You're looking at other people. You are coveting. You are wanting something. Because at the end of the day, your identity is not found in Christ, but it's found in other people. And you have such a low view of who you are that you are trying to get anything from anyone else. So this is how the, the, the and, and what ends up happening is that the reason why this is important for us to look at these me monsters in our lives is that when we focus on these things about our mindset or this Midwestern mindset or the low self-esteem, what tends to happen is this. We stop focusing on other people and we focus on ourselves. That's ultimately what it is. And we tend to lose, we, we, we tend to lose what potentially God wants to do in the midst of our lives. So... At the end of the day, how do we solve this problem? How do we solve the problem of focusing with others if, if these are the issues, right? If these are the problems of why it's hard to focus on others, how do we solve this? Because at the end of the day, I, I'm just gonna be real with you guys, I struggle with these, right? I'm, there are times when I'm like, I'm a meat monster for sure. Do you know how many times I've acted like I was dead asleep in the past month when my child was crying? <laughs> You're like, why would you do that? Oh, trust me. Like, there are times when you're desperate enough, you're like, I'm, Jesus, take me now, right? Like, you're just exhausted, right? There are times I act like I haven't heard my wife calling me, even though she has, right? And I'm like, oh, you, did you need something, babe? Sorry, right? I was scrolling through Instagram, my bad. We do, like, we all do this at some point. 
And I'm just like, I realize that at the end of the day, this is not how it's supposed to be. As children of God, this is not how God has commanded us to live. He's commanded us to focus and serve other people, to look at other people and to help other people, whether it's through love, whether it's through serving, whether it's through encouragement. There are myriad of ways that God has said, let's focus on other people. So I started to ask myself, how in the world can I stop focusing on myself and focus on others? And I landed on Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Now, here's what I want us to do real quickly. Just kind of give you a a quick synopsis of Philippians chapter, uh, the book of Philippians. The whole book of Philippians is just talking about like, how do you receive eternal joy? Right, Philippians 1, he just thanks the, the, the church of Philippi, and he talks about living a life worthy of the calling of Christ. And then Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, he just has an appeal like, hey, if you want to live a life worthy of the calling of Christ, be unified as a body. And then verses 3 and 4, he talks about how to do that. How do we be unified as a, as a body? And then verse, verses 5 and 8, what we're going to look at is showing how Jesus fleshes out verses 3 and 4. But for the sake of time, I'm just going to really dig deep into these three passages because it's super meaty and and I just want us to look at how do we do this? How do we solve the problem of focusing on others by having the mind of Christ? Okay, here's how it goes. Philippians 2 verse 5, it says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Christ Jesus. Okay, so Paul automatically, he he goes straight to this. He says, have this mind among yourself. And I started reading this and I was just kind of curious. I'm like, what is the mind of Christ? What mind is he talking about? Like, I, if, if that's what I need to be able to focus on others, how do I get this? I want this. But what is this? Okay, here's a good definition for you of the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is to have the thoughts, attitude, motives, values, desires, and actions of God. Is that your thoughts will be his thoughts. Is that you would love what he loves and hate what he hates. That at the end of the day, you are thinking the way Christ would think. And it's not just thoughts, but at the end of the day, that those thoughts would change the way you act. This is what the mind of Christ is. But I am someone, I don't know if you've noticed, I like pictures. I am a huge picture person. I am a huge visual person. I ask myself, what does the mind of Christ look like? What what does this actually look like on a day-to-day basis? Like, how, How does this live out in my life? And you can actually find it in the passages. Let's look at verse 6. There are three attributes to the mind of Christ. The first one is found in verse 6. It says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with a God a thing to be grasped. Okay, there is this, there's massive theological implications. There are volumes of books written on this passage. On like, what does he mean that, that there was the, he took the form of God or that... Uh, he was informed God did not count equality with uh, God a thing to be grasped. What does that mean? I'm just going to kind of give you the practicality of what that means. Right? It means, number one, that he laid down his rights. Jesus Christ laid down his rights. He laid down all the rights that he had. I, like, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. He was up in heaven, chilling with, with God the Father, Right, like I, I just like I can't wait till we get to heaven and like just see how the Trinity interacts with one another. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's awesome, and I'm a part of it, right? But I'm just like thinking about this, like they're all hanging out, they're all talking, they're all relaxing, right? And all of a sudden, God's like, hey, I know before the foundations of the earth we have this plan set. Uh, Jesus, are you ready? 
you need to become a human, lay down some of your godly attributes, lay down all, the, all this perfection that you see around you, you're going to have to lay that down. You're going to have to go to earth. And guess what? When you go to earth, I'm going to give you this palatial mansion. It's going to be so sweet. It's got a hot tub. JK, I'm in a manger. Right? He's like, hey, you're going to have all the riches in the world. JK, that's not what happened. People are going to love you. No, they killed him. He laid down everything. He laid down his rights. The mindset that he said was, you know what? I go down to earth. I don't have rights. Hope Community Church, do we live this way? Do we live in such a way that we act like we don't have any rights? Because what tends to happen in our American culture is that it, it says, you know what? No, 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 no. We have rights. Let's live in such a way that I want to obtain all my rights. But you know what? In order to advance the gospel, sometimes we need to lay down our rights. And I just wonder, do we lay down our rights? Do we lay down some of the things that we take for granted or that we enjoy to just go and do it? I'll give you a, a great one. A part of the, uh, the program that, that we work with at the university is that students do two years on campus. They do 16 months overseas. They come back for four months, and they get a double major in, in uh, Bible and theology and intercultural studies. And during the 16 months that they go overseas, they lay down a lot of their privileges. They lay down a lot of their rights. I don't know about you, this morning I had a really nice hot shower. We have some people in parts of the world where they are showering with cold water in a bucket. Like, I don't know if, you, like, if you've decided, like, just for one week, I'm just going to take cold showers for one week. And you're like, why would I do that? I don't know. Why not? Because it just shows how much we like our rights, that we're not willing to lay down certain things. Now, granted, I'm not trying to say that, like, God's graces, God's gifts for us are not, not awesome, that we shouldn't enjoy them. We should enjoy these things. We should, uh, like, be happy that we have them. But at the end of the day, are we willing to lay them down like Jesus would lay, lay down his rights? This is one of the attributes of the mind of Christ. There's uh, two more that we have to look at. It's in verse 7. It says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a, of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being born in the likeness of men. He became a servant. One of the attributes of, of the mind of Christ is becoming a servant. He genuinely decided, you know what, I'm going to come not to be served, but to serve. He, like back then, he decided to wash his disciples' feet. There's, there's a, a ritual ceremony, if you find it in the scriptures, right, where he decides, you know what, I'm going to wash my disciples' feet. And the reason why they do that is because they always used to wear sandals in the desert. And if you ever walk around the desert, it's dirty all the time. So what they decided to do was like, hey, I'm going to clean your feet. And when Jesus was getting ready to clean their feet, all his disciples are like, no, 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 no. Don't you dare clean my feet. You're God. What are you doing? Are you crazy? We should be washing your feet. And he's like, no, 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 no. I need to do this to, for you. Like, I don't know if you've ever thought about washing someone's feet. It's kind of weird, 
right? Like, it's kind of like, you might be like, ah, do I want to do that? Like, do I get between the toes? Like, how do I do this, right? Like, if they tickle and laugh, like, is that like, is that a moment you just had with the guy, like the person? So it's just like, ah, I don't know, right? But he's like, I'm just going to become a servant. I'm just going to become a servant. I'm going to serve people. This is why Philippians 2.4 says this. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Part of being a servant is that you would not just look at your own interests, but to the interests of others. And here's the reality. I, when I, I've grown up in the church, and when I grew up in the church, people would pre- preach this, and all I heard was, it doesn't matter what I care about. Only focus on other people. Only focus on other people. You, you, you have desires? Who cares about your desires? That's what I kind of used to hear when I, when I hear this passage. But, but Paul's not saying that. Paul's not saying don't take care of yourself. He's saying while you're taking care of yourself, intentionally focus on helping others. What Paul's trying to get at is he's trying to say this. Look, why, you're taking, why is the reason, why are you taking care of yourself? The main reason you're taking care of yourself is so that you could help others around you, so that you could focus and serve others around you. Just like Jesus decided, you know what, when I take care of myself, when Jesus decided to take care of himself, he's like, I'm going to go away, I'm going to connect with the Father, and then when I come back, I'm going to go heal a bunch of people. I'm going to go serve a bunch of people. I'm going to focus on other people. But that's because he took care of himself to focus on others. And then the last one that we look at is uh, the third attribute of Christ, or of the mind of Christ, is, uh, oh, sorry, is uh, verse 8. It says this, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I, have, I find this passage so overwhelming because the mind of Christ, what he said is, says this, is that he just had humble obedience. He decided, you know what? I know that I have rights. I know that I'm called to serve. And you know what? Some of, someone like Jesus could have been really proud of himself. And he's like, you know what? I'm never going to do that. I'm just going to do whatever the Father asks me to do. Whatever the Lord wants me to do, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm excited to do. That's what I'm going to uh, fight for. Whatever the the Father has me to do, how do I do that? He humbled himself. And here's the reality about this humble obedience. The best way that Jesus depicts this, the best way is this right here in this verse where he says, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Hope, can I tell you, like, this, anytime we hear this, this should bring us to excitement. This should bring us to tears. This should bring us to awe. Because the way Jesus decided to serve us was that he said, you know what? I know at the end of the day, I am going to have to die for my children, and I am glad to do it. And he said, you know what? The mind of Christ, the mind that I'm going to walk in, the attitude I'm going to walk in is this. I'm going to die for my children so that they can come and be in fellowship with me. That's what he's doing for you. This ability to walk out in such a way that you can receive salvation, that we could have eternal bliss with him. He served us so that we can serve others. This is what all of a sudden the mind of Christ is, is looking at. These three things that he would lay down his, right, uh, that his rights, become a servant and humble obedience. And if you look at ver- uh, verse five again, he says this, have this mind among yourself. So he's saying, you want to focus on other people? You need these three things. You need to be able to lay down your rights. 
You need to become a servant, and you need to have humble obedience. Now, I don't know about you. I look at that list, and I get a little overwhelmed. I get a little stressed out. I get a little nervous because I look at that list, and I'm like, I could do that for about five minutes, and then I'm going to mess it up. You know how this is going to work out? At the end of the service, you're going to be like, the Lord might be able to be telling you to talk to someone in this room, and you're like, there are brownies outside. I'm out. <laughs> and the Lord is like, like it's stuff, little stuff like that happens throughout our day that we tend to lose sight, and it becomes really difficult to do these three things. And within our own power, we cannot do these things. We cannot accomplish these three things. And I've tried it. I, like, because of my type A personality, I don't know how many type A personalities are in this room. I've tried this where I'm like, you know what? You give me a list like this, I'm going to go try to knock it out. I am going to have a planner. I'm going to have a five-year plan of how I'm going to become a humble obedient. Right? Like, I'm going to do it. I'm like, day one, this is what I'm going to do. Day two, I'm going to become a servant. This is how I'm going to serve. And I start thinking about everyone I'm going to serve. And I'm like, I'm going to knock it out. And then that morning comes, and I forget. And I just said, you know what, let me just reset. Let me do it. Let me try it again. Right? And you're going to see this all over your social media with people in their New Year's resolutions. They're going to be like, I did it today. Tomorrow, they're like, I failed, but I'm back in the wagon tomorrow. And they're going to be like, New Year, New Me, whatever that means, right? And all of a sudden, I look at this list and I start to ask myself, how in the world can I possibly ever accomplish this? I want to focus on other people. I genuinely want to help other people. I've, I, like, I genuinely, because, as someone who loves Jesus, as all of us in this room who love Jesus, we should want to be able to focus on people, but sometimes it's just hard. And when I look at this list, it makes it even harder. Because I'm like, I, I like my rights. I like my privileges. I like the things that I want. But the Lord says, you know what? There is a way for you to access this. There is a way to access the mind of Christ. Right? How do we access the mind of Christ? It says this in verse, if we go back to verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is like, like the most exciting part of the message for me. This is like the most exciting part when I read this passage. Because this whole month, I've been meditating on this verse. And I've been looking at this and I'm like... How do I have this mind? How do I have this mind? He's like, you already have this mind if you're in Christ Jesus. And I'm like, where's it at? <laughs> like, if I have it, where's it at? Like, Lord, I need it. Right? Especially when I got two crying kids in the house, and I got my wife, and I got my parents living all in the same house, and we're like, I'm like, oh, gosh, Lord. There are four different people right now, five different people right now in my house that I have to, like, help serve, and I have to feed, and I have to figure out, like, all their issues. And I'm like, Lord, how do I do this? And he says, you have this in Christ Jesus. So the first way to access the mind of Christ is that to be in Christ means that if you're in Christ, this happens through faith in Christ. It happens through faith in Christ. The moment that you put your trust in Christ, you are in Christ. You have this mind, and you're able to access it at any given moment of the day. You're able to. Right now, if you wanted to, you'd be like, Lord, I trust in you. I put my faith in you. 
I want to access this. What does this look like? And if you just stop for a moment and just say, Lord, like, what does, like, Lord, I want to think your thoughts. I guarantee you that he will want to speak to you. Like, that's the way he just works, right? But here's the second one. Not only do you put your faith in Christ, you remember the power he's given, uh, he gives us to those in him. You have to remember the power. The reason that we don't walk in the mind of Christ many times is because we forget that we have the mind of Christ. That we are actually able to think the way Christ thinks. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Did you guys catch that? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. When you get saved, you, he gives you this divine power to live this godly life. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in such a way that we could live this godly life. And for some of you are like, I want to know what those are. Just go read Ephesians chapter 1. Just read the whole book or the whole chapter and just look at all the blessings, all the spiritual things that you have in Christ Jesus. And then the last one is this. How do we access the mind of Christ? You ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. You got to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. He's given you the Holy Spirit and we got to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 12 says it, says it this way. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So, so far, what is the Spirit doing? The Spirit is searching everything, even the depths of God. And then verse 11 says this, For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So, also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So the only one who comprehends the thoughts of God is the Spirit of God. That's what he's saying right there. Okay, now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we could freely understand the things that God wants us to, to give. You know those moments when you're in church and all of a sudden, like someone tells you a truth and you hear that truth and you're like, oh my God, that's awesome. That's exciting. And you're like, I've never seen that before. That's the spirit illuminating your heart to the truth. That's not just you because you've all of a sudden just understood something. You can't understand the things of God unless the spirit reveals it to you. The spirit is constantly wanting to work in your life. Do you allow him to work in your life? Do you ask more of the Holy Spirit, for more of the Holy Spirit? Here's my final, final verse. Luke 11, 11 through 13 says, says it this way. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? The Father is graciously waiting to give you more of the Holy Spirit to guide you to his truth so that you can focus on others so that ultimately God can be glorified. He's waiting for you to just ask him. Like church, I just want you to think about this. What would it look like if today, when we walked out of these doors, our New Year's resolution was like, I am going to focus on others. 
I am going to have the mind of Christ. I am going to walk in such a way that I ask for guidance to the Holy Spirit. What would it look like? How would we impact our families, our friends, our neighborhood, our city? How many people around here would all of a sudden look and just be like, oh, like, my God, what, what's with these people? Look how much they're serving. They're going out of their way. They're taking the extra mile. They're giving coats away. Whatever it is that you need to do to help serve others, to show them the love of Christ, what would that look like? Just imagine with me for a second that this neighborhood could be so transformed that when people look at this spot, they'll be like, God is in that place. When they see you, they're like, there's something different about you and you and you and you. Because you have the mind of Christ that is willing to take it on, accept it, and go work it out by helping those around you. Whether that's loving, encouraging, whatever that is. What would that look like? So here are my three gospel questions for you. The first one is this. Who do you need to go serve today? As we talk about just serve it, you just got to ask yourself, who do you need to go serve? Who, who is it? The second question, uh, which attribute of the mind of Christ do you need to walk out in? Whether it's laying down some of your rights, whether it's servanthood, whether it's uh, humble obedience. You might be like, Ken, it's all three. <laughs> then take all three. <laughs> but which one of these do you need to take? And then the last one is this. Which aspect of the mind of Christ do you need to access today? Which aspect? He wants you to access it. And sometimes we, we might just need to have faith once again. Some of you might be in this room today and you're like, you know what, I've, I've never actually put my faith in Christ. Today is the day you can do it. You can bend your knee and say, Jesus, I am no longer going to follow the things of this world, but I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to follow you. Do you need to put faith? Or do you just need to remember what God has given you? Or do you just need to simply ask? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you. And we thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. I just ask you right now, Father, that we would be people who would walk out the mind of Christ. That we would be so enthralled by who you are, by what you've done for us. That you served us first so that we could serve others, Lord. I just ask you right now that we will walk in the mind. That we will lay down our rights. That we will become servants. And we would just be humbly obedient. Father, we thank you that you are awakening hearts and it's the spirit that moves, Lord. And I just ask you, whatever those things are, that you would reveal to us how we need to apply this today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. As we move forward with our, our evening, we're gonna play a song, but we're also gonna be taking communion. And communion is a great way for us to see what God has done in our lives. That he served us by dying on the cross. We practice open communion here. Uh, that means that if, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you, you can have op, uh, a communion. And, and if you're not a follower, you can become a follower and, and take communion with us. Over here we, uh, in the front, we have uh, the, the Eucharist here. And then over here on the other side, we have uh, gluten-free for, for any of those. Uh, and I just ask you that. Do you take today and this next couple minutes to just say, like, what stuff in this place do I need to add to my life and walk through as we're taking communion.